Good morning, Iron Men. Good morning. How you doing this morning? Good, good, good. It is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful day. So now, am I the person that you were expecting? <laughs> Let me take off the First of all, I want to say I'm thankful to God because God is so awesome. He is an awesome God. He has been so good to me and my family, and I'm thankful for this opportunity that has been extended to me to come to speak to this great assembly of men. I want to thank uh, Sugar Ray for the introduction, and I want to thank Carl, who is one of our ministers uh, at the church, as well as Sugar Ray, for coming and supporting. Now, there's a reason why I came to you this way. There's a reason why I came to you this way. This is actually my my lawn gear, this is where I mow my grass in. And this is actually the way I look when I'm mowing my grass. But I called David the other day, and I, I said, David, listen, if you don't mind, I'm going to present myself when I show up on Friday in a different way. He said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, I'm going to come dressed a little bit, just a little bit different. Just a little bit different. Because of the nature of the subject that has been given to me today, loving others. And many times, it's hard for us to be able to love others because of the fact that we instantly misjudge others. Now, I came in this morning and I took my seat over in the back and I noticed that there were <coughs> men gathering around and speaking and talking and I just came in inconspicuously just walked in and sat down. And what I noticed was there were a lot of men who came up to me and spoke to me. And then I noticed there were a few who were, who seemed to kind of look at me and were like, okay, this is an interesting fellow here. And I said to myself, okay, this is kind of what I thought this would be like. Because honestly, I probably would do the same thing if I were you, if I were really honest. But the point is this. If we're going to be able to love others 
We have to be able to accept others. Amen. Okay? Now we have brothers here who say amen when I preach. So it's all right to say amen if I'm saying anything that, that you agree with on this morning. I want to I give you a, um, a scripture text and then we're going to talk a little bit about what it really means to love others. 1 John chapter 4. In verse number 7 through verse number 11. The Bible says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. So I believe that this is a very profound text in that we live in a society where there is a deficiency of love. The reason why suicide is so high in our nation is because many people feel unloved. They feel as though that there are people who just don't care about them and don't love them. I have the unfortunate task to, tomorrow morning, I have to preach a eulogy. Young man, 26 years old, decided that he would end it all. 26 years old. My understanding was Somewhere along the line, he just didn't feel like he was loved. So there's a love deficiency in our nation. And when we as men, men of God, men who love God, when we learn how to love, then we can start showing others how to love. But how do we truly love others? How, how is it that we really, really, really love others? The way that we truly, truly love others is only through the power of God's love. When God's love is manifest in us, when we share his love, then this love becomes contagious. And this is the reason why David can say that I came to your church and, and everybody just hugged me at the door. And everybody, when I walked into the sanctuary and there was, we do something what we call a love feast every Sunday at our church. And that is that no matter who you are, no matter what your background is, no matter where you came from, we want to show you that you are loved. You are loved. Man. We are people whom God has called 
to love one another. And it matters not what your skin color is, what your educational background is. We are called to love one another because this is the love that God gave us. So when we love one another, love becomes contagious. But if we try to love others through our own love, through our own love, sometimes our love is a little bit judgmental. Sometimes our love is based on what someone is wearing. Based on how someone appears to us. And we will decide if we want to try to love that person or if we want to try to like that person or we would want to try to extend ourselves to that person. I came here this way for a reason. I have clothes. I have suits, thank God, to wear. God has blessed me to be able to travel. I've sat on the board of the planning and zoning board here in Winter Garden for a couple of years. I work in the community. But I came here today to you to show you that you don't have to look like you're affluent in order for you to be able to learn how and show some love to someone. I want to I show you something in the Bible. Romans 12, 2. Paul says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. If you're going to love with God's love, we have to learn how to change the way we think. He says, then you will learn to know God for God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. But then this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter number 5 and verse 46 and verse number 47. He says, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? What is your reward for just loving the people who love you? The people who show you love back. The people that treat you nice and treat you good and treat you well. What is the reward for just loving those people? If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even the pagans do that. Jesus says the people who are in the world love the people who love them. The people who are in the world are kind to the people who are kind to them. He says, but if you want to love the way through God's love, the way God wants you to love, you have to learn how to love those who are different from you. Those who may mistreat you, those who may not treat you the way you think you ought to be treated, but you still have to love them. Doesn't mean that you have to hang out with them, doesn't mean that you have to be best friends with them, but it means that you still have to love them. If you're going to love with the love of God, and when you love them, then your love becomes contagious. 
When people can see that you can treat people right who mistreat you and treat you wrong, somehow that love becomes contagious. How do you look at people who look different than you? David said when he walked in the church, he was the only white guy there. Right? That day. He was the only white guy there. But he said he and his daughter felt loved. That's because when I preach and I teach and when we teach, our other ministers teach, love sees no color. And if love did see a color, the only color it sees is red. And that's for the blood of Jesus. Amen? That's the only color love sees. So I'm glad to have the opportunity to come before you and challenge you to challenge you this morning. And understand this. This is our challenge as men. We have a great challenge. Our male and our masculine ego will not allow most men to genuinely love most people outside of the realm of their significant other, their children, and their family. I'm talking about genuine love. That's because of our masculine ego. Our male ego. We've been taught all of our lives to be strong, to be tough, and to be hard. And if you're not strong, and if you're not tough, and if you're not hard, you're not a real man. So then why should I love people and hug people and, and, and hug other men? That doesn't seem to be strong to me. Hugging another man, telling another man that I love you. Sugar Ray said this morning, several years ago, we fell in love with each other. Well, we did. That's because of the love that God has instilled in us. And we have this love for one another that becomes contagious throughout the entire church and congregation. In the eyes of most men, showing love to people makes you appear soft. Makes you appear soft. Makes you appear to be less than a man. But I came to let you know it takes a real man to be able to show love to another man. I have no problem letting you know I love you, brother. I love you, man. I have no problem showing. Thank you. I have no problem showing you that I love you. Because love is, is what love does. Love is not what it says. Love is what love does. Because we can talk all day long. Right? 
We have a lot of, we, we can say a lot of things, but love is truly what love really, really does. So in order to love others, we need to understand there is no room for our egos. No room for our egos. Jesus chose 12 men to become his disciples. And these 12 men were rugged fishermen. They were old spice men. <laughs> they were rugged men. Out on the seas. At nighttime, when the, when the wind and the waves got tough, and they would try to catch fish, and they find themselves in a storm, these were rugged men. But Jesus taught these men what humility and what real love is all about. As men, we are naturally self-reliant. We are headstrong, we are proud, and naturally more resistant to the divine call to become humble and learn how to submit. That's just a part of our carnal nature. That's a part of our carnal nature as a man. That's why we have to learn how to become spiritual men. Men of God. Because the spiritual man can overcome the carnal man. And the carnal minded man. And even Jesus' own disciples. The Bible says that they were caught up in their own egos. They were on ego trips. Matthew chapter number 20 and verse 20 through verse number 28. Jesus is trying to teach his disciples about humility, trying to teach his disciples about washing one another's feet. And what, what the, the disciples were concerned about was who can be the greatest? Can I be the CEO in your kingdom? Can I be the, the CFO? Or the COO, James and John said, Jesus, we're your cousins. And we'd like to sit on either side of your throne in your kingdom. And Jesus, all along his entire ministry, was about showing humility and learning how to be a servant. So having a servant spirit and a servant's heart and a servant's attitude. And these guys, you would think after walking with him for three and a half years and being with him every day and watching him do all these miracles and healing the sick and raising the dead, you would think that they would learn the lesson of humility, but they were just concerned about a position in the kingdom. Let me say this about our egos, men. Your ego is the anesthesia that deadens the pain of stupidity. <laughs> Say that again. Say that again. Say that again. Say that again. You need to write it down? Put it in your phone. Write it down. Ego is the anesthesia that deadens the pain of stupidity. How many of us have allowed our ego to get us in trouble. Some of us as men, we've got our egos have gotten us in trouble with our wives. Amen? 
the only one. You know, I'm not the only one. Amen. Our egos have gotten us in trouble on our jobs. <clears throat> gotten us in trouble. We have to learn how to be humble. And when you understand what humility is all about, then you understand that humility equals strength. It equals strength. All our lives, man, we've, we've been taught to be tough. It's, it's just a part of us. How many of us watch football? Pretty much most all men in here, we watch football. Okay. Let me know how I'm doing on time, David. Okay. We, we all watch football pretty much. Do you ever, ever wonder why, and I played football in high school, and, and I even got a scholarship opportunity uh, back in 1984 uh, to go and play at the University of Colorado. Uh, but life took me in a different direction. But God always has a purpose and a plan for your life. Uh, um, I lost my thought there. Football. 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 Thank you. Thank you. We like football. But you ever, have you ever thought about why is it that whenever a guy's running the ball and a guy comes and makes a really good hit, hitting the guy real hard and pretty much knocks him out of the game, what is it that the guy that made the hit do more often than not? He'll celebrate, he'll stand over him and like, don't you come back on my side again. <laughs> This is my territory. He'll stand over him and let him know I'm the man. I'm the man here. That's because it has always been embedded into us as men to let people know that I'm superior. I have I'm the alpha male. I'm the big dog. That's what's been embedded into us. But Jesus says, if you want to be the big dog, learn how to humble yourself and serve someone. Learn how to love someone. Not with your own love that will be selective. This young man back here, Dave, is it Davis? Davis, first time, your first time here? Davis came and sat by me. He says, I'm going to sit by you. Davis never seen me in his life. He said, I'm going to sit by you. I said, well, good to have you here, young man. And Davis started talking to me. I'm assuming Davis had no idea who I was. But he started talking to me. Davis is 17 years old. Davis, in three minutes, showed me who he really is. See, I don't really need a whole lot of time around you to know 
what type of person you really are. David showed me who he really is. Because if he could sit down and take time to talk to me, and he talked to me very respectfully. As far as David knew, David, Davis probably thought I was a homeless guy. I would imagine some of you probably thought I was a homeless guy. But he took the time to talk to me. 17 years old. I said to myself, this young man is somebody that God is going to use. Somebody God is going to use. With many men, our priority is about making an impression. I'm going to try to get through this a little quicker here so we can be on time. Our priority is about making an impression. It's all about where we live, what we drive, how much we have, who our friends are, how we dress, about making an impression. Can I tell you this? This is totally contrary and contradictory to the word of God. This mindset comes from a world that is shaped by the entertainment industry where the priority is all about how you appear and becoming, trying to make an impression to others so that you can look good to other people. Now, there's nothing wrong with looking good. Nothing wrong with looking good. But God did not call you nor I to make an impression. Never called us to make an impression. God called you, Iron Man, to make an impact. It's not about an impression. It's about making an impact in our world. And it's hard to make an impact if you're not focused on trying to be like God and be like Jesus, loving with the love of Jesus, it's hard to make an impact when it's all about showmanship and not fellowship. When it's all about style and not about substance. When it's all about looking good and not living and being good. When it's all about looking holy and not living holy. God didn't call us to make an impression. He called us to make an impact. There was a book that was written several years ago, written by a man named Neil Postman. And this book was called uh, Amusing Ourselves to Death. And what Postman did was he took a look at four cities. Four cities that were critical to the development of American history. The first city he looked at, he looked at was Boston. And he said that Boston reflected our revolutionary heritage. And then the second city he looked at was New York. And Postman said that New York reflected our melting pot orientation. The third city he looked at was Chicago. Chicago at the turn of the 20th century reflected our Western migration. But Postman said he finally concluded that if you want to see the picture of America, our nation, the greatest nation on the face of the earth, if you want to see a picture of America, then the city that you need to look at is Las Vegas. 
Las Vegas. Because it's Sin City, they call it. It's a city where if the people don't like a building, they'll tear the building down and just build another one. This is a place where on the outside, the building glitters, but on the inside is filled with people with broken hearts that have come to a city looking to have fun and to make an impression. Postman says that Las Vegas typifies a culture that is about looking good to others as opposed to showing love to others. 1 John 4, verse 16 through 21. The Bible says we know much about, know much, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who love him, who live in love, live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fears. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced perfect love. Verse 19 through 21. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, this is what the Bible says. Hates means to, to love less. That person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we cannot, oh, if we don't love people who we can see, how can we love God and whom we've never ever seen physically with our eyes? And he has given us this commandment. Those who love God must also love their brother. How do we love one another? We love each other daily. Only through the love of God. Not through the prism of what we can see, but through the prism of what God sees. God sees in each of us a precious and valued soul. And men, your soul is the most important thing you possess. It's the most important thing you possess. You know why? Because it's the only thing that we take with us into the next life. All of your stuff, all of your cars, all of your tools, all of your everything, everything you own, you know, you're going to leave it to your kids, you're going to leave it to your grandkids, or perhaps somebody going to fight over it after you leave. <coughs> but when you go, when we leave this earth, when we leave this world, when we die, it's not the end. Your soul goes with you. It's the most important thing you own. And God sees a precious soul in all of us men. And God says, because I have put something in you, will you share it with someone else? 
Will you become a blessing to someone else? Someone that looks different than you. Someone that comes from a different background than you. Someone who perhaps you may thought that you could never love. But now that you see through the prism of God's eyes, you understand that you have the capability to love them. There's not a person in this room <clears throat> that I can foresee that I don't have the ability to love. You know why? Because I see you through the eyes of God. That's the bottom line. And as long as we continue to see through the eyes of God, then we'll be okay. Thank you so much, man. Brothers, thank you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. And as, as, as we do in our church, at our church, I want, I want us to do this right now, and I'll turn it over, as we do in our church. We say, we say, before I preach, I ask the church to repeat after me. Beloved, Beloved. let us love one another. Iron men of God, give me some more enthusiasm. Iron men of God, let us love one another. Iron men of God, let us love one another. Because love is, is what love does. Now show somebody some love right now. Hug a brother, hug a man.